I woke up this morning pretty early. You know those days when you wake up um, before your alarm goes off? And some days it's because you're just so rested and chipper and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, right? Other days it's because you're not sure why and you just want to cover back up. And I woke up a bit heavy today and I recognized, well, because I'm speaking about life, I'm speaking about all the problems of the world. But then I also recognize I get to preach about Hebrews 13, the last week of a series on Hebrews, which I am, I am truly grateful for. Um, I ho- are you ready for the last week of Hebrews? Yes, the Word of God? Um, Hebrews 13, 17 and following, I get to preach this. Let's go ahead and throw it on the screen just because I want to show them what I get to preach. Just the first few words. Obey your leaders and submit to them. I'm done. <laughs> right? I mean, that's... What a great text. What a great text that I get to remind. This is the first memory verse my kids had. (laughs) Um, The reason it's a hard text is often because the leader knows that they are also flawed and sinful. But it's something we should probably preach more often. So today we get to dive into Hebrews chapter 13, 17 and following. We're just going to start by reading 17, 18, and 19. So will you please stand for the reading of the Word of God. Um, I'll begin. You read that. That is underlined, please. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are as those who will have to let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have desiring to in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So, yes, this is special instruction, I believe, for Christian living. The author is writing to a bunch of believers and about Christian leading, uh, living, and he's helping them to understand throughout this book what it is to hold fast, to cling to as, as, as much as possible. You hold on to Scripture and you don't ever let it go. Don't let Christ leave your heart. And so it's about Christian living. And he jumps in here, and it's interesting that he's concluding with this. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. And yes, I think he's looking back on parts of Scripture such as Hebrews 11, which are the heroes of faith, the people that we should be admiring, the people that we're looking to. We're trying to emulate. We're trying to reflect. We're trying to learn from and to grow from so that we can be more like Christ by looking at them. Respect for spiritual leadership is actually a key to discipleship. I, I believe we see some of that in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12. Hebrews 13, verse 7 even says, Remember your leaders. This was preached last week. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. We know that spiritual leaders are held to a high standard by God. Yes, you can look at other passages also. James 3, 1 shows that those who teach will be held to a greater accountability. So I do firmly believe good, bad, or indifferent, that I will be before God holding to a higher standard than others. Of living to a 
of faith, living responsibly with the word of God, no matter what the world may bring temporarily, because for eternity I will be at his feet on my knees at times, bowing before him, worshiping the one true king. And so I'll be held to a different standard. I think part of that, uh, if you look at Mark chapter 9, verse 42 and following, also if you look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, I think it's because of the spiritual influence that we are able as spiritual leaders to have on other people. And so because of that spiritual influence, we are responsible for how we use that influence on others and whether or not it's pointing them to Jesus, whether it's pointing them to be obedient to the full word of God. That's why you often hear some resistance toward prosperity gospel. God never promised us prosperity in the temporary. He said, simply be obedient to me. Your preferences and your opinions go out the window. We now submit fully to the word of God, nothing else. It's why for a large church, we're pretty basic and we're, we're non-gimmicky and we're pretty simple. I have some lights taken from my backyard as our stage prop. And that's about what we have because we're trying our best to focus on one thing, not to be a circus. We want to be about the word of God and the word of God alone. And so we're held to that responsibility. A spiritual leader, though, submits to God, not to themselves. So my responsibility is not to submit to your will and to your way or to your opinion or your preference. It is to submit to the will of God. And so I have that responsibility as well as we walk through life we don't really like these the words oh, obey. We don't like to obey anything. We often in a Western culture, we tell people, listen, you're your own person. You do whatever you want to do and nobody can tell you anything different. And many of us even grew up saying, you can't tell me what to do. Has anybody here ever uttered the words, you can't tell me what to do? Raise your hand. Why? Because we're messed up. And we don't like to obey and submit to anything or anyone no matter what it is which is one of the reasons we struggle to submit to God. And so a spiritual leader submits to God. The word submit means that you make a decision to voluntarily place yourself under someone else's guidance. This is hard to preach, by the way. Because it can be seen as self-serving, but I assure you that it is not. Hebrews 13, 9, one of the responsibilities I have, as well as 13, 7, but verse 9 says, do not, be a led, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. So I have to make sure that the teachings that are from this stage, and if I'm not the one preaching, I have to ensure that the ones who are preaching are preaching the word of God, and that's it. It's my responsibility. That's why this stage, um, you don't see a, a lot of different people up here. Because I have to know that they're going to teach the word of God fully. We don't add to it. We don't remove from it. Here's the word. And it says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. So these are responsibilities that we have as we move through the word of God. And a spiritual leader is so vital to us. But I also need to let you know this. A spiritual leader does not relieve individual responsibility 
but puts additional accountability upon the leader. What this means is very simple. A spiritual leader, I am here to lead us, to guide us. Yes, I am, according to the word of God, to watch over the souls of the individuals that are part of this congregation, but that does not relieve individual responsibilities in terms of being in tune with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and being led by him. It's called the priesthood of the believer or soul competency. It means that God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know that. It came at Pentecost. So every individual has a responsibility of being responsive to the Holy Spirit speaking into the life. But yes, God also gave us spiritual leaders to help push us toward him, to teach us the word of God at all costs, to guide us and to direct us. So I am held to a a higher responsibility, a higher accountability, but we're all accountable to still be obedient to the word of God. That we must hear. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And yes, I will have to give an account. Let them though do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, let me tell you what part of this is saying. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, meaning let them focus on the eternal, not the temporary. One of the things that's happening in the church today, and I'm so fortunate, friends, um, I am incredibly fortunate to serve truly one of the greatest churches around. The, the amount of support I have from leaders, I say it often because it's so incredibly important. The amount of support that I have of the leaders that are standing right beside me, and our goal as a church is to ra- we're trying to raise up thousands as an army for God to grow the kingdom. That's what we're trying to do. It's not hard. Okay, no, it's, it's not hard to say. <laughs> but we're, that's what we're doing. And I have the joy of being able to speak to so many churches and so many different leaders at this time in my life. And one of the things I tell them all the time, and I tell lay church leaders, they come to me like, how do we find a new pastor? We don't have one. I'm like, well, one, what do you expect of them? You better know what it is. And are you looking for a really good chaplain or are you looking for a spiritual leader? Because most churches, they like chaplains. They don't want spiritual leaders because we don't like leadership because we're our own idol. And so we've got churches full of chaplains. We need chaplains, hear me say that. But we are desperate today in the church for spiritual leaders. And we don't make that easy on many spiritual leaders. There is literally, I read articles every week. There is a mass exodus, I speak about it. There is a mass exodus right now in the church of leaders. There are more vacancies in churches today than ever before. I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why. That's what this says. It's talking about let them do it with joy, not with groaning. I've been in ministry um, for at least a few years, I was trying to do math in my head right then for just a moment, almost 30 years. I've been a lead pastor for almost 20 years. And as I look at ministry and the number of letters I've received about, can you, I cannot believe you removed pews. You're going to hell. You're a product of Satan, right? Or man, my grandparents painted that color of that wall. How dare you change it? Or man, where am I going to put my coat? Or man, you bought a new coffee maker with the church's money and I didn't tell them that it was actually donated because I thought they should go anyway. You got a new, we got a new, why did we get a new fence? And I didn't tell them that the neighbors bought a new fence and put it in that just happens to be on our border because I needed them to go anyway. 
The majority of people leading churches today, the people of the church are forcing them to give all of their attention, all of their energy to things that are temporary rather than eternal. We're forcing the spiritual leaders today to spend all of their energy on things that are of opinion and preference rather than focusing on reaching lost souls. I really do not care much about your opinion. I care about souls coming and releasing their sin and their captivity to find freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you don't weep for the hurting around you, if you don't ache and pray for the loss of your neighbors, if you don't do everything you can to impact people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you don't understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ does for you. It's that simple. And one of the reasons I truly believe, I should preach this more often, one of the reasons I this, let them do this with joy and not with groaning is that we're causing all this groaning. I should not receive, and I have in my life, get death threats for your opinion. I should not receive death threats for your preferences. It's not happening now. It's not happening now. Don't come to me. Who's doing that? I'll go get them. We're not that kind of church. <laughs> Somebody came to me. You tell me who they are. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold up. Are you like mafia Italian guy? We're not that church, right? But I shouldn't have to make phone calls in the past and places to the police and to cops saying, dude, this is legit. Like, what is going on here? What are we doing? What are we doing? Do we not understand what we stand for in terms of the gospel of Jesus? And one of the biggest problems we have is the majority of people who are believers today, we know what we stand against more than what we stand for. And so as a result of that, we have this pent-up anger and animosity within our hearts, and we're prideful and we're arrogant rather than standing for the gospel, standing for hope, standing for the promise that anyone can be redeemed from anything at any time, no matter who they are and what they've done. That's the power of the gospel, and that's the power of what we will preach at Chapel Point. We have to understand this. And so, yes, we need spiritual leaders to come into our midst and to guide us. But it is on us if we're causing groanings rather than joys as we get to serve as brothers and sisters together in the name of Jesus. And if you do it, it's to no advantage of you. That's why the, God, the, the, the churches aren't moving forward. It's to no advantage. That's what it says. And it's to no advantage of you. Why? Because the gospel isn't moving forward because you're making them live in a place of groaning rather than joy. I've never heard anybody in life say, man, that person over there, they are just a groaner and a complainer and everything's always wrong. I want to go hang out with them. No, you go hang out with them because it's Thanksgiving and you have to because they're family. Seriously. But the struggle also is that we live in a very individualistic society. And having freedom in Christ doesn't mean living for self, but living for something greater than self. So he jumps in here and he says very clearly, obey your leaders, submit to them. Their job is to keep watch over your souls, but you better let, let them do it with joy, not with groaning because of what you're doing to them. That, that wouldn't be in any advantage to you. 
verse 18 and 19, and then he calls out, pray for us, for we, we're sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I think that's a great way to pray for yourself, by the way. God, always give me a clear, you have a clear conscience when you know you're being led by the Holy Spirit. That's when you have a clear conscience. When you know you're not only hearing from the Holy Spirit, but you're, being, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you, you have a clear conscience. Pray that God gives you a clear conscience, that you have the courage, right, to be able to be led by the Holy Spirit, to have that clear conscience. But then he also says, but also a desire to act honorably. And a desire to act honor, honorably is not just simply being nice to someone, being kind to someone. A desire to act honorably isn't doing what those around you want to do. It's speaking the truth with grace and love. It's speaking the truth with gentleness, but also with strength and power. Right? Many of you know this. That's why I've raised my kids. If you go to my kids and say, God wants you to be a leader of men, they're going to go strong and gentle. We know. But they need to know that beautiful balance of what it was for Jesus Christ to both be strong and also gentle. And that's our responsibility. That's what it is to act honorably. It says, I urge you in the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. I want to come back to you. Can you please live according to the word? Can you please living according to Christ? So that's the first portion of this text. And, and in many ways, that concludes the letter because then what you have, I'm giving this in three portions, three sections today. That concludes this letter. And he, he's like, obey your leaders. They've been given to you on purpose. And so many of you are wanting to stand for yourself and you're listening to other voices rather than people who are speaking for Jesus. He's letting them know they would be better off, it would be of advantage to them if they would listen to the teachings, not simply let it tickle their ears for a moment and to walk away, but to really soak it in, to soak it up, and then to go live out that which the leaders are speaking into their lives. And then he goes into a prayer, and then a final greeting. And that's what he says in the prayer. And, and this, this prayer is... Um, all it's doing, it, it's, a, um, new, number, it's a priestly pr a blessing that's found in Numbers 6, 22 through 27. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. That's what this is calling out. It's going back to that, Numbers 6, 22 and following. But he says in this text, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, he says, now may the God of peace, so he just finished writing this letter, and then he says a prayer for them, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead of our, uh, the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever." and ever. Amen. So here he is. He finishes this prayer. You need to obey and submit to your leaders, and you need to make sure that you're grounded in the Word of God because you're being led astray. Now, we also know the warning. Some of the very first things that Jesus spoke about was beware of false teachers. That's why my, my promise is to always be obedient to the Word of God. He says, Jesus Christ, when he began his Messianic ministry, you look in the book of Matthew, he starts speaking about beware of false teachers, and he's talking about wolves dressed in sheep's clothing because sometimes we get led away. I could go through a laundry list of 
pastors today who I think are probably fitting that, ca- that category. But that's not today's message. So yes, we need to recognize what we're listening to. And then if we're actually being willing to lead and to be shepherded, if we're being led well according to the word of God. And so then he concludes by saying, hey, here's a prayer for you. And the prayer is, may you know the God of uh, peace who brought the Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd. He's reminding them, remember, you've been given the good shepherd, the great shepherd to lead you and to guide you. That's why in in the gospel of John, which we're going to hit this fall, in the gospel of John, it talks about seven I am's, I'm the good shepherd. He's the one who leads us and guides us. But some of us, we're not very good at following because we want to be our own captain no matter what. Right? And I have to be careful with that because my, I'll go on a family vacation. I remember going out west a, few, a couple years ago um, and my kids were like, Dad, we dare you to walk behind us all day. Because I'm always a guy doing like this. I'm like, Dad, look at the scenery. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah let's go. And, and I just, I'm going. I have, anybody else like this? Anybody want to, come on, Anybody? whatever. Um, you need to learn when to obey and submit to your leader. No, I'm just kidding. Um, like, come on. Like, you know what I'm talking about. You just want to go and you got a plan. You got, you're going. You're driving. You're pushing. And the kids are like, I, we dare you just to hang out behind. I couldn't do it. I mean, I made it to like 930, but like, I just couldn't do it. And we started at 920. But it was hard. And so we have to make sure that we have that posture of submitting that he's leading us, he's guiding us, he's the shepherd. He calls it out, the great shepherd of the sheep. This is the prayer that you know the great shepherd of the sheep. This is the prayer that, that, you, un, that you would remember he is the everlasting covenant, that temporary sacrifice, that temporary uh, sacrifice of the lamb, of the sheep, of the dove. That was then. Now there's a better covenant in the name of Jesus Christ, a greater covenant, a perfect covenant that is found. I pray that you live in that covenant that is eternal and not temporary. I pray that that is what would make you complete in every good work to do his will, that you would find fulfillment there that's his prayer he would no longer chase other things that's i think it goes right back to first uh hebrews chapter 13 verse 1 where he begins let brotherly love continue and he lays out those very things from a couple of weeks ago he says listen part of living in this community together is obeying your leaders Part of living in this community together is letting brotherly love continue by making sure that you show hospitality to strangers, making sure that you're free from the love of money, making sure that you're praying for those who are being persecuted right now that are in chains, that are in prison, making sure that nothing else guides your life other than that. This is just another way to live in community with one another, to remember that he is the great shepherd, to remember there's a greater covenant in, it, to, in him, and this is how you find complete life. If you're trying to find life outside of this, it's not going to work. So stop looking. And then he jumps in again after offering this powerful prayer, which I'm going to come back to. And he gives them a final greeting. He says, And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. It is, this is a letter of exhortation. 
throughout this series. I've loved it so much because it is, I've said it, it's an exhorter's paradise and I'm an exhorter. And he's calling this out. And he's reminding, the writer is reminding the reader of his purpose. His desire was to write a word of exhortation to encourage, discourage Christians. His desire was to write a word that would also motivate them to live as one toward the truth of Jesus Christ and not to get distracted. He reminds them, listen, our our brother Timothy, he's been set free. He's going to come see you shortly. And he lets him know, hey, greet all the other leaders from Italy. That's probably, he's writing, the author is writing from Rome. Part of the reason he knows of the freeing of Timothy and that he would hopefully be able to come and to be with them once again. So he leaves them with a bit of encouragement. I want to focus on this concluding prayer, this benediction. And what I want to do today is I want to close by simply praying this prayer over you. If you don't know, um, I'd love for men and women to pray over their families outside of mealtime. I love for men to even champion that. And guy, a lot of guys are like, I don't know what to pray. Pray the Bible. That's not cheating. That's just doing better than you could ever do. Would you stand with me? To the one that is here watching online or in another venue or here in this place that is struggling with suicidal thoughts, to the one who is struggling with the fact that they've had an abortion, to the one that they're struggling with the fact that they're married to someone who they told to have an abortion, or to the one who's struggling with gluttony or hatred or dissension or bad families. To any of you who are struggling whatsoever, I pray that you would know the God of peace. I pray that you would know the God of peace who raised his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead so that we might have life. I pray that in the midst of your difficulty that you would be reminded of the eternal victory through the blood of Jesus Christ. That you would grow in your power and strength of knowing that he is Lord, that he is Savior, that he is eternal. That you would be reminded that the great shepherd is here to lead you and to guide you. That you're not alone. That you have brothers and sisters who are standing with you as the family of God. 
I pray that you would know this God of peace, this Savior who died for our sins, that he is not only the great shepherd, but that that very blood that he shed created a new covenant, an eternal covenant, one that can never be removed, that the power of Christ now dwells in you. The power of God now sits in us as we get to claim for eternity what it is to know the one true God that is living, that is alive, that no matter the mistakes that we've made in this life, for all of eternity, we will celebrate a God who forgives, a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of hope. I pray that you would know what it is to in everything to find fulfillment in him. And that he would equip you to give you the courage and the strength needed to do what he desires rather than what your heart may sometimes prefer. That you would know what it is to not live in your opinion or your preference, but to live according to the eternal truth of the word of God. And I pray that as his church collectively together through Jesus Christ, he would receive mounds and mounds of glory heaped upon him. For he is a worthy God. Praise be to him. Amen.